At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a recession. Everybody goes to work, but they're still scared of losing their job. The corporations make sure the dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are making record profits. Teachers are told to keep a gun under the desk. Punks are running wild in Congress, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our planet will be unfit for life. And we sit watching our TVs while some Fox newscaster tells us that today Trump is the real victim and minorities are the real problem, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We all know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We have the Senate and the House, but slowly the democracy we're living in is getting smaller. And all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my president and my RBG shrine and my January 6th hearings, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. 
I want you to protest. I want you to strike. I want you to write to your congressman because you don't need me to tell you what to write. You know what to do about the recession and the inflation and the Russians and the Nazis in the street. All I know is first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up and out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take Trump anymore. I want you to get up right now, get up, go to your windows, open them and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take Trump anymore. Things have got to change, but first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take Trump anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the recession and the inflation and the oil cartels. But first, get up out of your chairs, open your window, stick your head out and yell and say it. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take Trump anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take Trump anymore. I am mad as hell and I'm not going to take Trump anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take Trump anymore. Sorry. Couldn't resist. And for the first time in my life, even through the brutal years of Reagan and even through the psychotic years of Bush, that famous Howard Beale speech from the 1976 movie Network seems to fit this moment with some revisions, of course. The Beale character, as portrayed by Peter Finch, and especially that speech, and especially that catchphrase, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore, spoke to, long before it became a cliche, this weird overlap between somebody who is so enraged that he is angry mad as hell and somebody who may be so insane that he is crazy mad as hell. But there's also a third subtext to it, which only occasionally gets mentioned and only occasionally gets appreciated, and it is why Beale and mad as hell mean something today. It's that line towards the start. We all know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy. In short, it's like Howard Beale, representing all of us, is going crazy because nobody else is when they should be. If in school you had read that 100 years ago or 150 years ago or whenever a president of the United States fraudulently denied he lost the election and tried to overturn it in the courts and in the Congress and it didn't work because it was one big lie, so he invited gangs of thugs and racists and gun suckers and militias to come to the Capitol during the most boasted about part of American democracy, the peaceful transfer of power. And having invited them, he then incited them to try to overthrow the government by violence, you would have expected to then have read about the police and the military and the laws that stopped him, and the arrests and the indictments and the lifetimes in prison and the vengeance that followed. Hell, what precipitated the Civil War, if not 11 states trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power because they didn't like who got elected? We are supposed to do something about this. When a large minority of Americans stood up and said, only whites are real people. And when they said, we will use the police to lynch black people. And when they said, guns settle everything. And when they said, women are here only to breed. And when they said, we own the Supreme Court now. And when they said, we will not teach history because we don't want children to know there's a more righteous way. And when they said, this is our world and you, the majority, your votes do not count here. Your cities do not count here. Your lives do not count here. Your president does not count here. 
When all that happened within 39 days, our anger and our vengeance, democracy's anger and vengeance began. It was 1861. But first, you've got to get mad. Today, they have Trump and Schedule F and a plan to impeach Biden for whatever. And they've already turned the Supreme Court into the theocratic Republican Supreme Religious Court. And they've overturned abortion and next will be marriage equality. And they intend to investigate the January 6th committee members and pardon everybody who actually attacked the Capitol, even though you and I grew up presuming, you know, if I attacked the Capitol during the peaceful transfer of power, I'm going to guess they'll give me about five seconds to stop before they start shooting at me. And they want to put Fauci in prison and they're passing laws prosecuting doctors and prosecuting women who leave a state to go to another state for an abortion. In other words, they want to prosecute women who leave a slave state to go to a free state and bring them back to the slave state. And they have a Fox News and another worse Fox News, and another worser even than that Fox News. And what do we have? We have, once a week, somebody who says, we must find a compromise with them. We must be bipartisan. We must be Democrats and liberals who act like Republicans and fascists and Nazis. We have Joe Manchin. And for 18 months, Joe Manchin has obstructed all the good Joe Biden has tried to do and prevented all the emergency measures we must have to keep the last words by the last human surviving the climate catastrophe on this planet from being, as chairman of Exit Mobile, <coughs> I want to report record profits for the year <coughs> 2052. And when the bribe for Joe Manchin, the senator from Fossil Fuel Gulch, West Virginia, is finally sufficient to his liking, and he finally agrees with Chuck Schumer on the $740 billion climate and deficit reduction bill, what does he get? He gets to go on all five network Sunday political television nitwit shows. The proverbial full Ginsburg. Glory, glory, hallelujah, it's Joe Manchin, our lawgiver, the true Democrat. And yet, Kirsten Cinema could still kill the thing today. And Joe Manchin would then still look reasonable by contrast tomorrow. He'd still be the hero who achieved nothing. And if all that cinema stuff bothers you, I used to go out with her. We all know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy. Even the fascists who hate or fear Trump have something closer to a plan than we do. The This Town author Mark Leibovich quoted a former Republican congressman as saying, Quote, look, we have no plan for this except sitting around hoping he dies, unquote, which actually sounds like more of a plan than our plan. Our plan? Make sure Democrats help the craziest Trump supporters and election deniers, and it's not IQAnon, it's just QAnon nutbags, get nominated because we're confident we can beat them, right? Right? Right?
This weekend, it will be 19 months since the coup. They have plans for more coups. A coup in Washington, a coup in every state, a coup in every county. Looks like they compromised the Secret Service, and it's still compromised. Looks like they compromised the Inspector General at Homeland Security. They've compromised half the cops in this country, a little less, a little more. They've compromised, as my heroes Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding once joked, everything except the Visiting Nurse Association. They have built a cult around denying the 2020 election. And if you haven't figured out what's behind that nonsense, by the way, seemingly quixotic and academic at the same time, here's the little secret. The idea about the 2020 stuff still being talked about is if El Duche gets elected in 2024, and goes back to the White House, he will somehow make somebody like, I don't know, the Supreme Court confirm that, yes, he actually won in 2020, but was denied that rightful term in the White House. So he will be given a third term in 2028 or at least allowed to run for it. In short, if 2020 was stolen from him, he's owed another term, right? That's in the Constitution, isn't it? Gee, maybe we could just, you know, skip the 2028 election outright. The fascists have all this in the works. And what do we have? We have Chuck Todd three weeks ago asking a Republican governor, quote, what's best for the country? Do you think the country can handle prosecuting a former president? And we have Lester Holt one week ago telling the attorney general of the United States, quote, Indictment of a former president and perhaps a candidate for president would arguably tear the country apart. Is that your concern? They have Fox News. We have Fox News. Only we call it NBC. I will do this podcast every weekday morning. No holiday Mondays. Sorry, I'm getting old. It will be as best as I can do it, the podcast version of what the old TV show was. I will explain to you later in this first episode what exactly happened to the old TV show. And here's a tease. It's none of the things you've heard. And I'll have comments on the news and comments on the sports. Did you know I used to do sports? And the worst persons in the world are back. And why Trump gets a tax break for burying his wife in the golf course. But first... I want to button up this topic about getting mad as hell with two quotes and one question. Quote number one, it's General William Tecumseh Sherman, and it's meant metaphorically, so don't think I'm talking about bloodshed because you can't do political bloodshed in this country unless you're a Republican. This was Sherman the last time Americans tried to overthrow American democracy. Quote, war is the remedy our enemies have chosen. Other simple remedies were within their choice. You know it, and they know it. But they wanted war. And I say, let us give them all they want, not a word of argument, not a sign of let up, no cave in, till we are whipped or they are. End Sherman quote. First, you've got to get mad. What greater act of war against the United States by someone owing allegiance to the United States Within the United States, could there ever be 
than to send armed militias into the United States Capitol, than to encourage them to attack and kill members of Congress, members of the Senate, even the vice president. What greater act of war against the United States could there be than to try to prevent by violent revolution the peaceful transfer of power in the United States? I have no complaints about the January 6th committee. I do not buy the argument that it's the Liz Cheney show, and so what if it were? Chairman Thompson and the other Democrats have been terrific. If, as I speculated months ago, they are programming to the proverbial audience of one, and it is named Merrick Garland, dandy. But I don't see exactly how they plan to end this. So what if, first, they realized You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take Trump anymore. What if they ended it with another quote? What if the January 6th committee ends its final hearing by simply quoting just the start of Title 18 USC Chapter 115, Section 2381? Quote, Whoever, owing allegiance to the United States, levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere, is guilty of treason and shall suffer death. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Just ahead, my postscripts to the news segment, plus worse persons and sports. Bill Russell obviously is the big story in sports, but the guy who spent his life pretending to be Bill Russell is in worse persons. First, in each edition of Countdown, the podcast, we will be featuring a dog in need whom you can help. Every dog has its day. You can find our first dog and all of our subjects on my Twitter feed for Pups in Trouble. That's at Tom Jumbo Grumbo. Today, are you near Chicago? Would you like a 49-pound, five-year-old gal with one white ear and one black ear? Terrier Pibble Mix. Loves to go camping. Loves to eat your food that you bring when you go camping. Loves to camp her head on your shoulder. She is at onetail.org in Chicago, and her name is Oreo. The adoption fees for this lovely dog looking for a home are covered. Unconditional love is yours free. Oreo, onetail.org in Chicago, and she's on my Twitter feed, at Tom Jumbo Grumbo. Coming up, sports, worst persons in the world, and the premiere of stories about my favorite topic, me, in things I promise not to tell. But first, postscripts to the news, some headlines and some thoughts. Michelle Nichols has died. Uhura from Star Trek. It is impossible to recreate the world in which her character was controversial, largely because she helped to erase that world. Unlike other women actresses of color in the 1960s, she was an astronaut on Star Trek. She was smart. She wasn't deferential. And she was sexy. I was seven when Star Trek premiered. I don't know for how many kids or adults in this country she was their first exposure to such a person. All the struggles of her career and life did at the very minimum this. She rewired the minds of millions. And then she did recruiting videos for NASA in 1977. From the Friday news dump, Dateline, Washington. First, the Secret Service texts from January 6th disappeared. Then the Homeland Security texts from January 6th disappeared. Then House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's brain disappeared. Though Cassidy Hutchinson testified under oath that she and McCarthy spoke on January 6th about keeping Trump from going to the Capitol during the coup, McCarthy now says, quote, I don't remember that. 
This is what is so confusing. I didn't watch the speech. I was working, so I didn't see what was said. I had no idea he was going to come to the Capitol. I don't remember having any conversations with her. I don't recall. Honest, I ran out of gas. I, I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood. Locusts, it wasn't my fault, I swear to God. I may have embellished that last part of the quote just a little bit. On the other hand, by the end of this week, Kevin McCarthy may claim he can't remember his own name. Wait, why would that be a bad thing? Also, Dateline Washington, the problem is McCarthy may yet get away with his role in the January 6th cover-up, just like Trump may yet get away with his role in the January 6th coup. NBC News quoting more than a dozen sources who worry if the Department of Justice has allocated enough resources to the investigation. Just like Trump may yet get away with all this because, quote, we don't have the manpower. Here is a crazy ass idea. The Pentagon asked for a fiscal 2022 budget of 724 billion frickin' dollars. Congress gave it a budget of 782 billion dollars. That would be more. That would be 58 billion dollars more. Four billion of that is for more boats. We need more boats. How about giving the boats back and putting $4 billion into trying to save the goddamn democracy. Gonna need a bigger boat! Dateline Philadelphia, or is it actually New Jersey, the Draws campaign, I'm sorry, apparently that's the Dr. Oz campaign, is bailing water. According to Politico, the National Republican Senatorial Committee held a call with big roller campaign donors, and basically... They said that there's definitely a Republican path to take the Senate by flipping Arizona or Georgia or Nevada or New Hampshire and or defending North Carolina and Wisconsin. And that's when somebody noticed the NRSC had not mentioned Pennsylvania. Quote, Oz just has not hit his stride as a candidate, one call participant told Politico. The viewpoint was it's more important to reallocate money to seats that we feel we can win. A committee official is quoted as also saying we have a path with Pennsylvania, and don't worry, we have a path without Pennsylvania. In the latest polling, Draws trails the Democrat John Fetterman by 11, and the would-be Pennsylvania senator who lives in New Jersey has never recovered from having misspelled the name of the Pennsylvania town he thinks he lives in. <laughs> Dateline Madison, Wisconsin, with Wisconsin Democrats coalescing behind Mandela Barnes in the bid to take the Senate seat away from Ron. I'm on my phone. No, you're not. I can see your phone. I can see your screen. Johnson. It was inevitable. Time for former Governor Scott Walker, the Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion of the Tea Party, to do something stupid. At 2.41, prevailing local time Friday, he tweeted, quote, Democrats rally behind a racial who wants to end cash bail. Uh, did you say a racial? Two minutes later, Walker replied to his own tweet without making any attempt to alter the reality that he had just called an African-American Senate candidate a, quote, racial by adding, quote, a radical who wants to end the patrol that's supposed to protect us illegal drugs and firearms from coming across the border and finding their way to Wisconsin, unquote. I just skip the image of Scott Walker, the thing he just evoked of that Wisconsin-Mexico border. Let me just reread the first part of that follow-up tweet. 
quote, a radical who wants to end the patrol that's supposed to protect us illegal drugs. So you have your choice on Scott Walker. The first tweet was racist, and the second tweet was unintelligible. And Dateline Hendersonville, North Carolina, the latest employment innovation, you will work for food. The Chick-fil-A on Highlands Square Drive, they're asking for, quote, volunteers to work its drive through express. Joel Benson, the visionary innovator in charge, brings a new spin to the workforce experience. New salary. Quote, earn five free entrees per shift, one hour worked, read the Facebook post. The pay is lousy, but you get all the cholesterol you can eat. Corporate says it knows nothing of this, and the offer was withdrawn within hours of posting. As always, life is just another Bob and Ray sketch come to life. In the 1970s, my heroes reported on a fictional company making paper clips by hand with a workforce of 200 assemblers, priced 19 cents a box. How is that possible? Asked the startled interviewer character Wally Ballou. Well, said the owner, we pay our employees two cents a day. How is that possible? Asked Ballou. Fortunately, came the answer, we got a 99-year sweetheart deal with the union. Most of our staff lives in caves on the outskirts of town. Ballou then asks, don't you worry about their health and survival? And the owner says, blankly, we don't pry into the private lives of our employees. This is SportsCenter. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. The old ESPN2 show theme. Obviously, you know basketball's Bill Russell has died at the age of 88, easily the game's most successful player, two NCAA titles, an Olympic gold medal, 11 NBA championships in just 13 seasons, the last two as player coach. What you may not have heard of, he and Elgin Baylor were the first African-Americans to make the all-NBA first team, the all-star team, in 1958-59. He was also the league's first African-American coach, although the claim that he was the first African-American coach in any major sport is inaccurate. Football immortal Fritz Pollard was a head coach in the NFL briefly in the 1920s. Bill Russell was also a broadcaster whose main virtue on the ABC and CBS NBA coverage was his extraordinary laugh. He also did interview after interview with sportscasters at college radio stations. No, not me. Jesse Agler from the San Diego Padres mentioned this and others then echoed it extraordinarily generous with his time and his laugh and his contributions to society. On the other end of the sports spectrum, there is the Saudi Blood Money Golf Tournament, which is over in New Jersey. Henrik Stenson, who used to be a professional golfer, but took blood money instead, defeating Matthew Wolf and Dustin Johnson, who used to be professional golfers, but who took blood money instead. For our purposes, we can just call this tournament the Khashoggi Memorial. 
The tournament was held naturally at the Trump course in Bedminster, New Jersey. Crowds were disappointing at best, and the Wall Street Journal reported the tickets for the penultimate round on Saturday cost as little as one dollar. American money. The host was there. In the Pro-Am, Trump apparently completed only two or three holes and shot a 12,364 over par 12, 4, 3, 6. But Trump insists he made the cut and won the championship anyway. It is, by the way, a federal offense with a jail term of not more than six months or a fine or both to use the presidential seal in a way that can leave, quote, a false impression of sponsorship or approval by the government of the United States. So naturally, Trump put the seal on coarse flags, coarse towels and coarse golf carts. They played God Bless America at one point and Trump could not figure out what to do. He eventually took off his trucker cap, then put his hand over his heart or whatever's in there, and then started patting his hand on his chest. And of course, Trump too took the Saudi blood money, and when asked about the effect of doing so on 9-11 families, El Duche said it was really too bad that nobody ever got to the bottom of 9-11 and everybody was playing great golf and all the money was there. And people were reminded that on 9-11, when he went on local TV in New York, the only thing Trump was concerned about was that one of his buildings was now the tallest one in downtown New York City. But somehow overshadowing all of this, the Saudi money, how deathly bad Trump himself looked, how bad the golfers who sold their souls looked, was a little matter of the new feature just off the first tee at the Trump National Golf Club. His ex-wife. Her grave, Ivana, Ivana, who died last month, is buried just behind and to the right of where you start when you play golf at the Trump course. But it's tasteful. On her tombstone, Trump did not include a marble MAGA hat and did not have them emboss the presidential seal. The burial of the first Mrs. Trump there brought to the fore that 15 years ago, Trump went to the town of Bedminster with his plan to build a giant cemetery with a room for a thousand souls on or slightly under the course. When everybody, everybody went, ew, he trimmed it back to just a family mausoleum with, according to the Washington Post, 19 foot high stone obelisks right in the middle of the golf course. By 2012, the town council had agreed to let Trump dig 500 graves on the course for members only, obviously, so that they could presumably keep on paying him membership unto eternity. Yet, as several tax lawyers have confirmed, there might be another motive here. You plant some stiff somewhere and the state of New Jersey waives your property tax, waives your income tax and waives your sales tax. Logic would suggest that if first wife Ivana is buried near the first tee, then there's a nice hole waiting for Marla Maples near the second tee, and there should be a spot to plant Melania on three. I guess near the hole itself on three so that her spirit can help all the golfers with their putts. Thank you, Nancy Faust. And in the neat trick department to close out sports, Tracy Sandler, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for Fangirl Sports, tweeted something about a San Francisco offensive tackle, quoting her, 
Trent Williams is back today. He had a baby a few days ago. Now, you would have thought that would have been a bigger story somehow. That sounds familiar. What would Countdown be, whether TV show, podcast, or me just going door-to-door with it without the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect exhibits who constitute today's worst persons in the world? The bronze to the New York Times for printing, non-ironically, a long article based on a Frank Luntz focus group. What happened when seven Trump voters and six Biden voters tried to find common ground? Well, I hope somebody would have noticed Frank put his thumb on the scales and had more Trump voters, which is typical of him. Here's my Frank Luntz story. In 2003, MSNBC had decided on a new show called Countdown because the president of NBC News loved the name and thought it would be cool to start with the least important story and build up to the most important story like 57 minutes later because that way everybody would watch the whole hour. He never gave up on the idea that this would work somehow. And he was not going to give up on the idea that the perfect host for Countdown was... Sam Donaldson. There was an NBC contract with Donaldson's name on it in circulation when MSNBC executives found out that ABC News had been trying to get out from under their contract with Sam Donaldson. How to avert the catastrophe ahead? Frank Luntz to the rescue! Get us a focus group, Frank, that tells the president of NBC News not to hire Sam Donaldson and that the best choice is this other guy. Now, how do I know that? I was the other guy. Presto! Frank's focus group somehow came back with that exact conclusion. The offer to Donaldson was withdrawn. Coincidence, no doubt. The bronze to everybody who fell for the Cartoon Network viral marketing scheme about George Jetson being born yesterday on July 31st, 2022. Now look, he's a fictional character, so it's not like this matters. But for God's sakes, if you're going to insist a certain date is a fictional character's fictional birth date, prove it. As Gizmodo pointed out three years ago in the Jetsonverse, there's a Jetsonsverse. George was 40 years old as the series premiered on CBS. That was in 1962. The show was based a century in the future, 2062. So 2062 minus 40 is 2022. So that's right. But the reference to him being 40 is in the episode that first aired on December 30th, 1962. So his, quote, birth date, unquote, could be any time in 2022 except December 31st. More importantly, if you buy the George is born in 2022 stuff, you are led to the edge of a troubling cartoon truth. We know his wife, Jane, acknowledges in the first episode that she is 33. Daughter Judy is 15, meaning that when Jane became a mom, she was 18, maybe 17. But the winner, Arthur Lee Trotter. He died in 2000, but for 30 years, he scammed a succession of women, whining and dining them and telling them he was basketball's Bill Russell. 
He also at times claimed to have been former football players John Mackey and Marv Fleming. In fact, when he was arrested for impersonating Bill Russell, who died Sunday, police in Louisiana were convinced he was not Bill Russell, but he was Fleming, which he wasn't. But there was a kind of genius to Arthur Lee Trotter. He stood six feet tall, yet he insisted he was Bill Russell, who was 6'10". One of his women victims said, you don't look like Bill Russell. Trotter Russell thought quickly, I got into a car accident and had to have plastic surgery. Woman, I was expecting someone much taller. Trotter Russell then said, I had 10 inches of bone surgically removed from my shins because I wanted to fit easier into my new Mercedes. You know, in 1983, that got Trotter another term in prison. In 2022, it would have gotten him the Republican nomination for senator from Georgia. Arthur Lee, not Bill Russell Trotter. I know Arthur's dead, so what? There are rules here? There are no rules here. Arthur Trotter, today's worst person in the world. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So, for our number one story on the countdown, my favorite topic, me. Each podcast will conclude with me telling you a story from my career or life, usually hanging off the day's news, or at least an anniversary of some kind, the people I've known, the places I've worked, the innumerable morons I have encountered, some of the women I've dated, if it's relevant, like Laura. Don't judge me. It all began at a small 5,000-watt radio station in Fresno, California. On Fridays, instead, we will read from the great works of the great James Thurber, just like we used to do on the TV show. And when I say we, of course, I mean I. If you're not interested and you just want the day's news, eh, cool, turn it off. I will not be offended. But I think these stories will explain, entertain, and often enrage you. Lord knows they will enrage me. So as I launch this frail bark, where better to start than here? If you were a viewer of the old TV show, let me explain finally how that became this. My original 1997 MSNBC News Hours, The Big Show and The White House in Crisis were the first programs that made MSNBC any money. I mean, seriously, the network otherwise hemorrhaged cash from its launch in 1996 until about 2005. That's when the show I started upon my return in 2003, Countdown, a low-rated nightly news digest that was a pretty good show, started getting really political and suspicious of Bush and Iraq and especially the Republicans' political manipulation of the threat of terrorism, and the viewers arrived in droves. By the next year, the ad salesmen, and contrary to all logic, they are the ones from whom you get the truth in a news company, they were sending me bottles of champagne and revealing that Countdown was now earning a $50 million annual profit, then $75 million, then $100 million. They liked me! They they really, really liked me. But management at NBC, not so much. Right after MSNBC started to make money, it started making enemies. The Republicans came right to our door and through it. The psychos at Fox News, like O'Reilly and Hannity and Ailes, remember we called them fixed news or Fox noise, they started calling the executives at NBC and its parent company, GE, demanding that I stop criticizing them. Softer than church music, these fascists could not take criticism. 
When Tim Russert was still alive and defending me internally and externally, watching every night and sending me tips and warnings and ideas, and capable of playing the Republicans inside NBC and outside NBC like fiddles, everything was fine. Then came that horrible day, June 13, 2008. Tim died. And suddenly NBC News was in the hands of a lot of cowards and bullies like Tom Brokaw and Joe Scarborough and Jeff Zucker and names you would not know like Jeff Immelt and Steve Kappas and Phil Griffin and Chris Licht. And I really wish you didn't need to know Chris Licht's name, but he was Scarborough's henchman. And now he's the new president of CNN. And you don't know how bad that news is for the future of this country. Anyway... I will go into depth on all this background in future episodes, how men like these spent a year keeping Rachel Maddow off the air, telling me I couldn't even put her on as my guest host because nobody would watch a woman or a lesbian or another liberal. That's what they said. Then they lied to me and told me they had hired her so that one night Larry King talked her into going on his show on CNN for $250, and I wound up hiring her out of my own pocket to keep MSNBC from losing her. Literally, the cash in my wallet, 437 bucks. Anyway, by August of 2008, the Republicans were threatening Brokaw that if he did not get me fired from MSNBC's coverage of the presidential election, John McCain would not show up for the debate that Brokaw had inherited from the late Tim Russert. So Brokaw went in and threatened, and that's a nice euphemism, NBC management on behalf of the GOP just to get to host one more debate. I mean, he boasted about it in the New York Times. Then within a year, it was Fox blackmailing the executives at GE, actually getting the chairman of GE, Jeff Immelt, to threaten to take MSNBC off the air, just shut it down if Fox continued to criticize him, Immelt, because his mommy was a Bill O'Reilly fan and Bill O kept claiming her little boy Jeff was producing weapons used to kill Americans in Iraq. I mean, honestly, these were adults behaving like this. Well, as I tell everybody in the business, there are no adults. It got worse and worse. Zucker and Roger Ailes meeting inside 30 Rock, no less, to decide what I could and could not say about Fox News, negotiating what could be in our news and what could not. And in 2010, NBC started suggesting that we put Republicans on countdown, like Michael Steele and the deplorable Scarborough. Nobody ever asked me a direct question as to how, in January 2011, I left MSNBC, and the highest-rated cable news show that was not on Fox. And I kept telling them, just say we don't consider Fox to be news. It isn't news. So why are we comparing our ratings to them? Was I fired? Did I quit? Was it something else? So I've never actually told the actual story because I wasn't asked a direct question about it. Well, one of the perks they threw at me when I re-signed with MSNBC rather than jumping to CNN in 2006-2007 was a slot on the Sunday night NBC football broadcast. It was a nice change. I got to work with my old ESPN partner, Dan Patrick. It wasn't life and death. I could do the catchphrases and the silly voices and say, they're not gonna get them. But right before the 2010 season, Jeff Zucker called me into his office, told me I was not focusing enough on Countdown and I was off the football show. Now, the following portion is, of course, a pure hypothetical, which is really better designed for a college course in contract law. But if in a case like this hypothetical, the guy doing a, 
let's say, hypothetical football show wasn't actually being paid to do the hypothetical football show, if doing that hypothetical football show were a perk, if it was a non-cash payment or an incentive to sign a contract rather than to go to some other hypothetical network like CN Hypothetical N, well, then when that hypothetical announcer is taken off that hypothetical football show, the people who hypothetically took him off the show have hypothetically breached his hypothetical contract. And all of a sudden, the hypothetical companies, hypothetical lawyers are asking the hypothetical announcer how much money it would hypothetically cost them to to hypothetically cure a hypothetical breach. Back to the non-hypothetical portion of our story. So now it's a few months later, the week before the 2010 midterms, which I would be anchoring on MSNBC. And while I would be covering the Senate and governor races right through election night, we were done reporting on the House. I did an interview on Thursday, I think, with the Congressman Raul Grijalva of Arizona. And then I did a special comment on Friday about all the Tea Partiers running for Congress that year. And that was it. And that night I was on the phone with my friend Kirsten Cinema. Yep, that Kirsten Cinema. How many Kirsten Cinemas could there be? She told me that Grijalva and another Arizona representative had gotten a lot of death threats late in the campaign, and they had spent virtually every last dollar they had on security. Kirsten asked, Can you donate to these campaigns? And I said I'd never donated before, but yeah, to Grijalva and to a senator in the South, I think and the other Arizona representative who had gotten a lot of death threats. Her name was Gabby Giffords. The next Tuesday, I anchored those midterms, didn't mention one house race or candidate, and everything was fine. And then somebody called one of the political websites to say, Ooh, Oberman donated to some Democrats. And they called NBC Public Relations. And NBC Public Relations called the president of MSNBC. And the president of MSNBC called me. And he said, this looks bad. I know it's your right to do it. It's not like we're going to suspend you or anything stupid like that. Why would we do that? This is sort of our fault, too. But it just looks bad. Can you, you know, can you say something? And I said, yeah, you're right. It does look bad. I'll apologize on the show tomorrow, even though I don't have to. I will voluntarily stop any campaign contributions as long as I'm doing this show. And he said, great. And I said, great. And I wrote the apology that night and I sent it to him and he said, great. And I said, great, because I already had part of tomorrow's show written. And that was it. And the next morning, without a hearing, without a phone call, without an email, without a warning, this hysterical teenager disguised as an adult named Steve Kappas, president of NBC News, he puts out a press release in which he angrily suspends me indefinitely without pay for violations of the NBC News employee rule book that says NBC News employees can't make donations to political campaigns. Now, NBC had an obvious huge problem. Within hours, there was a petition on social media demanding my reinstatement. 250,000 signatures. I was stunned. NBC tried to get Chris Hayes to fill in for me that night. He refused. Even people at Fox News went on the air and said this was absurd. And at NBC, there was a lot of shushing and worrying because... Everybody at NBC News made political donations. They just hid them by donating in their wife's name or the kid's name or to some sort of fund or whatever. I was the only one who admitted to it. But this guy, Kappas, he was pissed off and dug in and demanded I be suspended for a month or, I don't know, a hundred years without pay at least. And all this is already public and well documented. But... 
Hypothetically again, there could have been more to it. See, if you hypothetically suspend your hypothetical announcer guy again for violating the employee handbook, what happens if that hypothetical announcer is not actually an employee? What if the hypothetical employer has written the contract of the hypothetical announcer so that it specifically declares several different hypothetical times in the hypothetical contract that the hypothetical announcer is not an employee, but just say to pick a term out of thin air, an independent contractor. What if hypothetically the employer could be NBC, could be a bakery somewhere. What if hypothetically the employer did this in contract legalese so they did not have to pay the hypothetical announcer health insurance or dental? Well then, hypothetically that phrase breach re-enters the chat and the hypothetical company's hypothetical lawyers go to the executive who just suspended the employee who legally is not an employee and they say hypothetically again, you now have four hypothetical choices. One, reinstate the hypothetical non-employee immediately and hope we don't get sued. Two, reinstate the hypothetical non-employee immediately, apologize and write up a new contract for God's sake. Three, end the show. Pay the hypothetical non-employee every dollar you owe for the remainder of the hypothetical contract and hope you don't get sued for damages anyway. Or four, hypothetically throw a lot of money in the air and negotiate a settlement and end the hypothetical show hypothetically. In the short term, what happened was, and I'm quoting from the New York Times, they told me on Friday I was suspended, I was back on the air Tuesday, they didn't even dock my pay or charge me for any days off. Making this wilder still, hours after I was suspended, Al Gore called me. Al owned a struggling TV network called Current, and he said what NBC is doing is illegal, and if you sue them, you could own the place. But I think I have a better idea that can be the start of something big. You can bring Countdown to Current TV. We'll give you $50 million plus bonuses plus a piece of the network. You'll be an owner. This is me talking. In the long term, for two months, these two roller coasters went up and down, and my agents negotiated a tentative contract with Current, while there was a hypothetical attempt to settle the other hypothetical non-employee cluster hypothetical F. And then literally during the MSNBC countdown show on January 21st, 2011, during a commercial break, everything got finalized all at once. My agent told me it was done. I went on the air and said so. And nobody, not even the staff knew, which I am still sorry about very greatly. Unavoidable. But that's the way it worked. So no, I was not fired. Countdown was not canceled. The current TV deal had already been in place for weeks. And by the way, during every step of this, I kept Maddo and her agent, who had been my agent for 27 years, fully informed. And so that very night that Countdown ended on MSNBC, Maddo was on Bill Maher's show right after it all happened. And naturally, he asked her about it and she lied and said, it's the first I'm hearing of it. And I thought, oh boy, that might be the end of that friendship. And we haven't spoken since. Anyway, the current thing turned out to be a scam, and it blew up rather quickly, and I'll tell that story in a future episode, too. On the other hand, I don't have to work for money again. 
But the weirdest thing started happening in September 2011, not eight months after I left MSNBC. Feelers from the new owners of NBC, Comcast. Would I consider coming back to MSNBC? Yes, I would. Then they got cold feet. Then the next year, more feelers. This time I got cold feet and I started negotiating to go back to ESPN instead, and I did. In 2014, I actually met with the new NBC News executives for two hours, and they wanted me to bring Countdown back as soon as possible. And then the Brian Williams scandal broke, and these new executives all got themselves fired. And then in October 2015, I met with the new new executives, and they wanted me to come back. They made an actual offer, and it was stupid. It was predicated on my doing a show without commentaries. Like, what was the point of Countdown or me without the commentaries? And even that guy got fired in 2019, and the new chairman of the entire NBC Corporation, Jeff Schell, was an old friend of mine from Fox Sports, and he wanted me to bring the show back, and we got close, and then the word came in from the guy who was negotiating for me that the chairman of NBC News, Cesar Conde, had told him the whole thing had cratered because one person at NBC had never and would never forgive me for uh, something. And that person, said Conde, was Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow, per Cesar Conde, vetoed the last chance and ended literally a decade of talks about putting this program back on MSNBC. By the way, NBC's denial of this last set of flirtations was that, yes, for two years, NBC's CEO Jeff Schell kept scheduling meetings with me, but I should have known he didn't really mean it. Basically, their explanation was, I should have known the chairman of NBC was a liar. As the kids say, weird flex, but okay. And that's the short version. So last winter, that's when I began exploring a new venue for Countdown. And here we are, a daily podcast, same Keith, new platform. And I don't have to shave or wear makeup. And I hope you'll enjoy the content as much as I already enjoy the not shaving. So, I've done all the damage I can do here. The Countdown theme from Beethoven's Ninth, arranged, produced, and performed by Countdown music directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Beethoven selections like this one, performed by my friends in No Horns Allowed. Our sports music, The Olbermann Theme, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN, Inc. That was the famous Nancy Faust on the organ. Our announcer today was the one and only Larry David. Everything else is my fault. If you can, please rate and review this podcast and subscribe, because apparently that's how all this works. We are here every morning. That's Countdown for this, the 572nd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the government of the United States. I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote dealing with pests can be a pain but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T E R M I N I X.com.